0: we don't have photos we only have like the description in recent years worldwide growth in
1: bbw searches has gone up by more than 47 percent.
2: yes you better get paid bitch
3: you're listening to the finding chubby starlet podcast Three friends search for the woman who inspired their journey towards body acceptance,
0: changing their lives forever.
1: Hi, my name is Ebi Bokes. I'm a wig stylist, director, and cat mom. Eight years ago, my friends and I discovered a porn that changed our lives forever. But that was only the beginning. After our initial discussion, John, Tyler, and I decided that if we were going to find Chubby Starlet, the best thing to do was to get into the mind of Chubby Starlet. And if the copious amounts of true crime content that I've watched has taught me anything, if you want to do that, you got to talk to the best. And holy shit, did we get the best.
3: Thank you. That means a lot to me.
1: That was the voice of April Flores. April is an adult entertainer. We like to call her the queen of firsts. In 2014, she was the first ever recipient of the BBW, or Big Beautiful Woman, Performer of the Year Award at the Adult Video News Awards. And guess
3: what? She won it again the next year, too.
0: All right. So first and foremost, I got to ask, have you heard of Chubby Starlet before?
3: I have not. I mean, I've heard of the two things separately and together. They're amazing. So, yeah, tell me more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. so we don't know if. That's actually the title because we found it on a site called Uges that I believe lets people just name their own titles. So we're we're still trying to find out exactly who she is, where she is, but we're we're looking for it.
1: Hey stars. I've got some really interesting facts about porn that I'm gonna be divvying out throughout the episode. Here's your first one now. According to a Pornhub Insights article from 2019, the most popular BBW related searches were ebony, milf, anal, lesbian, and mature. So April, you have a very interesting story about how you got into the industry. Would you mind sharing that with us?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I I got into the industry um, very slowly. It was not an intentional thing. Like I didn't say, oh, I want to be in porn I want to like be a porn star I never call myself a porn star because to me that's a cheesy title personally but uh back in 2005 my late husband Carlos Batz and I were working on our book which was eventually published in 2013 but we were working on this project where I was the solo subject and shooting with a lot of other people just out documenting our life documenting like the shenanigans I would get into when I was drunk our (laughs) sex sexuality, just documenting everything and at the same time he had shot Belladonna who's a major like porn icon for a Japanese magazine cuz he was a photographer and filmmaker so he shot her and she saw me in her in, in his portfolio and she really liked my look and Carlos and I thought of shooting her for our project Fat Girl and we met with her she declined that because at the time she was way ahead of her her time um back then she was only working on her own projects which is you know the way most people are doing now. Um, but super like innovative for 2005. And um, she declined the book shoot, but then she invited me to be in the scene with her in one of her films. So I was like, uh, yeah, like I've never, I never had sex with a woman before. I never thought of like, I didn't even really like to watch porn, but I thought, you know, this is gonna be a really cool experience where, you know, I can like laugh and, um, you know, just tickle myself when I'm old in my rocking chair, like thinking like, oh, I did a porn scene one time. But after that, it just kind of slowly evolved. At the time, a lot of my friends were performing in porn and uh, a lot of Carlos's friends were directing and and doing erotic stuff. So looking back, I can't be too surprised, but it's not something I really intentionally set out to do. So after I did one scene, you know, another friend asked me to be in their movie and it kind of slowly snowballed from there. But after like three projects, I thought, you know, I need to really step back and, see like why am I going to continue to do porn I I need a reason beyond exhibitionism beyond like loving to be performing like in front of the camera and loving the escape of being a subject and and getting paid to fuck is amazing (laughs) 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 so I thought you know, if I'm going to keep doing this, I want to intentionally use my body and my body of work to empower other fat people, especially back then. Like, it's changed. It's 15 years later, 2020. So I think that body positivity and... and uh, That acceptance and all this has made leaps and bounds of uh, progress. But back then I was like, I really want to show that uh, fat people are sexual. We're sexy. We deserve desire. We deserve to, you know, explore our sexuality no matter what our body size is. Um, And so that's what kept me going and keeps me going now. Um, is just to represent because representation is really really crucial mm. and so when people see people that look like themselves in media and porn is media um, I think it's very impactful and now with with social media and all of these other channels creators are doing their own stuff so there's way more representation but back then in 2005 it was the fat performers were really they all look the same they were all white and blonde and we're presenting in a very Specific way. And I feel like I came in and just had my own look and my own um, aesthetic, which is the same thing as look, I guess, but uh, yeah, and my message behind it. So I think that's really what resonated with people and why I I made such an impact early on in my career.
2: Honestly, your body of work is incredible. What you've accomplished in the amount of time that you've accomplished it, I mean, from when you've started your first scene in 2005 to now, that's 15 years. That's fucking incredible. Thank you. (laughs) According to
1: research from Pornhub, in recent years, worldwide growth in BBW searches has gone up by more than 47%.
2: I did want to ask if you can tell us more about your book, Fat Girl. It's incredible. The subject is incredible. The medium is so well produced. I wanted to ask about your experience creating that.
3: Thank you. So as I mentioned before, uh, I was married to Carlos Batz, and we met in the year 2000 and I quickly became his girlfriend and muse. And uh, we were inspired by a few other books, Porn Art 1 and 2. I don't think those are even in production anymore. And the artist's domain is a French artist. But he had documented his girlfriend just in all these, like, really cool, like, sexual situations. And we were inspired. We're like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, she's so beautiful. And she's, like, taking it up the ass. But she looks so serene. Their art was really cool. And it inspired us to, you know, since we were together and shooting all of the time, we were like, let's try to make a book out of this. Because at that time, Carlos had two published photo books. And um, so he had relationships with publishers. And it was another era back then. And books were very uh, prominent so we were like okay let's work on this so we shot all the time i came up with the title once we started getting uh pitching it to publishers so we pitched it to tosh we pitched it to tower powerhouse we pitched it to a, a handful of other big publishers and they all declined And I had faith that, you know, it will be published at the right time with the right publisher. But you know, that wasn't the main focus. The main focus was just to get amazing photos and um, just to keep in the spirit of what we were working on together. Um, so fat girl was a title that I came up with because I feel like those two words separately are very charged, fat and then girl. Like a lot of people have responses to those words separately, but together. I, I was thinking, you know, like this is gonna represent the book. And also I was thinking like, if if you're looking at a, at a bookstore or online now, um, <laughs> if you see the title fat girl, you might be like in- inclined to like reach for it and-, and look at it. Um, And also to change the negative negative connotations that are usually associated with th- that uh, phrase or, or those words together. Since then, I have self-identified as fat because it's not a bad word. And a lot of people still are very terrified of the word and being that. But I feel like it's evolving slowly. It's changing. And I feel a lot more people are identifying as fat now. And I think that's super cool, especially for the kids who are um, coming up now. I'm sure like all of us have had our own experiences with the word and relationship to it. So finally, in 2012, we met a publisher, Rare Bird and um he Tyson Cornell is the uh main guy there and he was really into the idea and he worked closely with Carlos and it was published in 2013 in July and we had a huge event and it was a a we were gonna travel with like an art show, and we did a talk at MoCA here. It's an art museum here in LA. But unfortunately, three months after uh, Carlos, my husband, he passed away. So um, the momentum of the book and the art shows and all that just stopped because he was spearheading all the all of that, and I was just in too much shock and grief to continue. So it is a little bit sad that the book wasn't really able to take off in the ways that he wanted to. But it is—it's just what happened.
2: Yeah, it's such a shame because his work is so beautiful and vivid in those prints. It's honestly really inspiring.
1: For the stars at home... You can get a copy of Fat Girl on Amazon or ask your local bookstore to order it for you.
2: The reviews
0: on Amazon are all about you and all about h- how your words and your journey are so inspirational and so beautiful. And I can't wait to get it.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that means a lot. And, you know, Carlos lives on through his work. So even the fact that we're talking about it now, when this podcast falls in people's ears, that is the way that he will still live on through his artwork. And it's something also that I've thought about since he passed. I loosely thought about my legacy legacy when he was still here but definitely now I'm very cognizant of like okay what am I leaving behind because we are finite and hopefully art is
2: not well and we know that too that his legacy lives on through you like your body of work is so represented by like the relationship that you had with him that it's impossible to associate the two of you without one another oh thank
3: you yeah
1: Ages 35 to 44 are most interested in BBW while visiting Pornhub.
0: Can you can you talk a little bit about um, winning that award? I mean what that was like the performer of the year and being the first person to win that and in the category?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it was really bittersweet because uh, my my husband, Carlos Bats, had just passed away three months before. So I was in a state of permanent days, you know, I was just kind of like detached and also like attached. I knew I was nominated before he passed. So we kind of like, were like, oh, that's cute. How funny. Like, that's Cool, And I was really not invested in winning or not, you know, I was just happy to be nominated. And then he passed away in October, and then the avians are in January. So that was three months apart. And, you know, just being there was really weird. And I I was sitting with my best friend, Courtney Trouble, and uh, we were up really close to the front. And they started off the show with the in in memoriam and his last name is Bat. So if they are going alphabetically, he was like the very first image, like his picture right there, like looking down. It was just real. On one hand, it was really cool to see his face up there in front of like his peers and um, the industry that he worked really hard to like be part of and also like he worked hard um in to see him recognized that way meant a lot for me and I know know it would have meant a lot for him but also it was just like whoa I just sat down and what the fuck so that was started off the night in a very weird space and it was just in a weird time in my 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 life um and then I won and it felt good it felt kind of the same as like seeing his face up there like nice to be recognized by our industry both of us um so yeah it was bittersweet and then I won the next year as well and I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to win the next year and uh my nemesis was thought she was going to win so
2: <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. drama.
3: The drama yeah. of it all. Yeah. Like so, <laughs> so
0: where is Ryan Murphy? Where is your show? That's what I want to see. <laughs> feud. feud too. Yeah, feud too. <laughs> That's what I want to see.
3: Um, so she thought she was gonna win. Like she was near me, the red carpet, like either in front of me or in back of me, the red carpet. And I was just like, Oh god. And <laughs> she was strutting around like she was gonna win, and she didn't. So <laughs> I, I don't normally operate from a place of cattiness, but sometimes if it's deserved, I do. And um, so when I won, we were all like, "Yay, yay, yay!" And then um, when at the end of the show we all walked out, and when she passed by me, um, I made sure that we all screamed really loud. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes,
1: yes, I love, we love that
3: petty. I love that. <laughs> Not even mad about it. Uh <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> and she brought this on herself because uh y- you know like i'm I'm cool with you until you're not cool with me that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: 100 percent
3: in the u.s
1: west virginia is 24 percent more likely to search bbw as compared to the national average generally it's southern states like louisiana kentucky tennessee and north carolina that are most interested in bbw BBW searches are the least popular in Hawaii, Utah, California, and Colorado. Uh, I would like to talk about something that happened recently. You posted some pictures on Instagram that they deemed too risque or pornographic and they banned you, is that correct?
3: Yeah, they delete photos. It's really frustrating. I think once Facebook and Instagram teamed up, the bots have gotten really hardcore. Actually, like a few minutes ago, I tried to post something where I was fully clothed, and it was removed for nudity and/or sexual activity, which none of that happened. A lot of the fat content creators are feeling very targeted because a non-fat person can wear like a bikini, show some nipple through the bikinis, show some ass, and it's okay. But a fat person will do the same thing and their shit will get deleted and it's scary because instagram is a mode of uh promotion and advertising for me at this point it used to be like a photo blog but now it, you know i'm self-employed and everyone kind of is and we're all hustling and it's a vehicle to get out our work it does seem that they are targeting sex workers and fat people and fat sex workers. It's really tricky. I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now and I'm gonna only put pictures (laughs) of me in a sweatshirt, which may work out to benefit me because if someone wants to see me in lingerie, then they should probably be paying for it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you better pay, bitch. Yeah,
0: bitch.
3: Pay
1: for
0: the cookies, Mama. You're part of this really amazing website as well called Shape of Beauty. Can you tell us a little bit more about sort of the impetus of that and how that came to be?
3: Yeah. So Shape of Beauty is by Adult Time, which is uh, one of the major companies in porn right now. And they launched Shape of Beauty last year, 2019, early 2019. 2019 feels like 10 years ago, right? It really yeah. does. It's it really really a decade. does. <laughs> so back in January 2019. Um, Simpler times. <laughs>
2: <right>. Simpler times. <laughs> um, yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they have different channels like taboo stuff and you know like teen stuff and they launched this channel because they, they like to coin themselves as the netflix of porn so they have different channels and shape of beauty was their plus size which is how they were categorizing bbw porn as plus size i had taken a two-year break from performing for personal reasons but once this was launched i was like oh my god like how can i be down like i want to do this so bad it would be <laughs> perfect to come back to like this level of production and stuff and it was amazing the whole company showed us a lot of respect and the level of like i said the level of production was very high like on set that day i was like wow this is i'm being treated amazingly and there's food here and there's water and i performed with seth gamble who's like a veteran so he really like helped me ease back into the performative aspect of sex and filming it which is porn i i don't know if they're still going to continue to film new scenes but it's absolutely still available on adult time and you can see my scene it was amazing because i it was like a massage themed scene so i was just basically covered in coconut oil the whole day with this hot dude like massaging
2: me i was like yes what? moisturize bitch get down into the crevice yes.
1: men are 21 percent more likely to search for bbw on Pornhub when compared to women You, you touched on it a little bit right now about how great the set was and everything, but I'd love to know about previous experiences. From what you said, it obviously sounds like they weren't as great. Do you think that's because of your weight or do you think it's because the industry is growing?
3: yeah that's a great question uh so when i started in the uh mid-aughts there was dvds there weren't any of the tube sites or only fans or any of the other avenues that are available now for people to get off so the model was these huge companies would have these huge budgets and then trickle down to like the, the each project. And within the budget, there is uh, money for, you know, location and catering and paying the performers and paying camera people, all this stuff. With the advent of tube sites and everyone just becoming easily and rapidly conditioned to not paying for porn, that impacted the companies, which impacted the budgets, which impacted, you know, our rates and also what you can expect on set. So I've been on set where there is nothing at all. And I think that's unethical if we're really going to talk about labor and hours and all this, but it's just part of the industry. Like I go to set with snacks and water and everything that I'm going to need because I've been in the boat where I didn't show up with anything really not thinking like I shot with a, a pretty big company last year, which definitely has uh, money for water and snacks, especially if we're going to be there all day. And they had nothing. I brought cookies to set and I was glad I did because I was eating those cookies. They did have water, but still, um, we can get into a whole other topic of ethical production and consumption of pornography. But I think underlying baseline if you're gonna be on set for like four hours or more they should provide that but they don't so i shot i shot last week a non-sex role but like i was rushing i went to starbucks like let me get that little like snack thing and my tea and my water and then i get on set and they have snacks everywhere there's a whole kitchen (laughs) full of like (laughs) food And they ordered us food. So it's it's really unpredictable. It comes down to how the people in charge want to treat their performers and learning by being in this industry for 15 years, you know, just bring your own stuff.
2: I feel like E.B., Tyler, and I can really respond to that sentiment. The three of us have all worked in the theater professionally. We all met in a theater program and just the treatment of theater makers. I mean, that's a completely different conversation in and of itself, but I think... More importantly what we're talking about is the destigmatization of human sexuality and the necessity in respecting those that create avenues for us to explore it. I mean, especially right now. We're in a pandemic. There is there is nothing to do but watch porn and whatever streaming services. Like fucking respect your artists. Worldwide,
1: countries from the African continent search the most for BBW videos. Nigeria takes the top spot, followed by Ghana, Kenya, and Egypt. The United States comes in at 10th, United Kingdom at 12th, and Canada at 20th.
0: It's interesting with the consumption of porn at all-time high. How has the pandemic affected the performers? And, And can you explain what the ethical consumption of porn is and how we as consumers can help that in this time?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Tyler. So how the pandemic has affected the performers is actually in a really positive way because the industry was shut down for so long that we all had to figure out how are we gonna fucking pay our rent and our bills? And thank goodness for OnlyFans, which is kind of like where everyone has flocked to now. um, We all make our own content. And we sell it directly to the consumers or fans. They do take a percentage, but it's it's 20%. And some of these sites take a lot more. So for us, it's a good avenue to earn an income. Ethical consumption of pornography means to pay for your porn. And if you don't want to pay for a site where you're going to see everything, pay your favorite performers directly. Like if you have had an orgasm from this person, go to their fucking Twitter. We all have Twitter. We all have Instagram. You can find us. Look at our Cash App. Send us a fucking message. Hey, I just came to you five times. Let me gift you with five bucks for Starbucks or something like that. Like, there are ways to directly impact us financially. It's really easy. If you don't want to join OnlyFans, you can just find us and ask us. We will always send you our payment information. Uh, but if you don't want to go directly that way, you can go to OnlyFans. It's a cool way to like see. And interact because everyone I know, it does messaging on there. So we're all like DMs are closed in social media. But if you go to, if you pay to talk to us, then we will talk to you. Like I pay, I talk to all my fans that message me on OnlyFans and I have relationships with them. Like the pandemic has really brought me a lot closer than I've ever been to my fans. And I think that the pandemic has cut out the production companies and all of these big people that used to be in charge a long time ago. Like it's just like with everything, all media is just kind of slightly changing. But it's been a learning curve for me, especially because I got hired back in the old days where I would just get hired for a scene, get my check and then I'm done. But now I have to like, cast it, do my makeup, do styling, do editing, do filming, promotion, all of this stuff. So your average porn performer now is not just a performer. Like
2: we do all of it. Yeah. Don't be a business bitch. Be a business bitch. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. <laughs> um, I have a question about OnlyFans. Recently in the news, Bella Thorne essentially tricked people into giving her money for photos. She implied were nudes How did it affect people who make their living through OnlyFans?
3: So it affected some people in that OnlyFans was only going to pay out once a month i think and that's not feasible for really i mean it i guess technically it can be but not realistically like we all need to get paid weekly or you know bi-weekly and it also they went from the highest you can charge is 200 and now it's 100 so it impacted us financially and it's it's fucked up because she has a platform i don't think she needs the money and also tangentially from from this point something that came up during pandemic which a lot A lot of people were saying, even including my own friends were like, oh, I'm just going to join OnlyFans or I'm just going to like do sex work. Sex work is not a fallback career. It's hard. It's a lot of hustle. There's a lot of emotional labor that comes along with it. You just don't show up and fuck and leave. Sex work is not the fallback. I'm just going to be a stripper. I'm just going to be a a full service provider or I'm just going to start an OnlyFans. It's kind of frustrating when I hear people and society as a whole just joke about it because it's, it's, it's not that.
2: Sex work is real work.
3: It yeah, is. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's
2: work is hard. real work. I had a question a little bit
0: um, about... Just, just a sort bit. of Just a little bit of a question. Uh, it's a big question. <laughs> it's a lot of a question, I guess. Not a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> <Birthy>. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it is a thick question. Because you have a wonderful career and are this brilliant advocate and model for body slash fat acceptance, is there any advice you would give to the people who aren't as confident in their body? Um, see, we call you the Queen of First because you have broken so many glass ceilings towards launching bigger bodies into the forefront of your industry, and we love that.
3: I can only speak on my own experience um, and how I arrived to the level of comfort that I'm in. In my early twenties, uh, I, all of my, you know, tween life to my early twenties, I was really taught that thinness equates happiness. And, um, and that was, you know, subconsciously through media, subconsciously through my own family dynamics, um, my, my family with their own body issues. And when I got in my early twenties, I suddenly became very thin unhealthily because I was in a really bad relationship. I wasn't eating, I was poor. So I lost a lot of weight and suddenly I was a thin person, but I was still really unhappy. And so I realized that I had idealized this thin body to equating happiness and everything will be easy. Guys will talk to me and you know I won't have any problems. But once I was skinny, I was like, "Oh shit, life is pretty much the same." You know, and and at that time I was working in a coffee shop and this regular would come in and he was always very happy and I was like, "What is your secret?" And he told me happiness is a choice. And you have to work at happiness. And so that really stuck with me at the same time when I was seeing, like, oh, my God, I'm skinny. And, yeah, I'm getting a little bit more attention. But at the same time, like, I'm sure all of us who've lost weight, we can see immediately, like, oh, society's treating me better because I'm smaller. That's the mindfuck, too. So I decided then, like... um, I'm going to try to be happy. I know it's it's easier said than done, but I'm going to try to be happy in my brain as opposed to on, you know, my scale, what the scale is saying. And I just tried to maintain that. And once I started gaining weight again, I could, everyone around was kind of like freaking out. Like, oh, you know, like the little comments they say here and there and i was like you know what i'm good i'm happy in my mind and that's that's what it takes a lot of it was you know fake it till you make it and it's a daily practice you know sometimes still i Don't feel that great, but, you know, we have to work on it every day and just be kind with ourselves because we're not going to have every day where we're feeling a million percent wonderful. Also, finding community now, I think, is super cool. Like, we are able to connect with people who might feel the same way that we do, have the same struggles. So I think that um, with the practice and community and just kind of trying to shift our view, even though it's hard, hopefully that can you know, help someone that's listening.
2: There's this sociological construct that says your understanding of reality is only as strong as your grasp of language. We cannot understand something until we have the words to name it. And until we understand that body positivity and loving ourselves is the very rhetoric that we refer to ourselves and the ones we love around us, we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, There's a therapist. uh, He's been on a couple podcasts that I really love. And he says, we are all in the process of becoming human. And I think in this process of understanding who we are, it really is a very humbling process of saying like, no, I deserve this. I deserve to be celebrated, I deserve to be sexy, and I deserve a space in this room. I think for us, that was Chubby Starlet. (laughs) We would watch this video and we would get high and scream at it, but it, it, it turned into this thing where we would all literally say, if she could do it, I could do it. If she could be sexy and celebrate her body, I could do that. And I think that's kind of the process we're all in now, you know?
3: that's such a great point of like finding the language because once you find the language and you it resonates with you then you can it's tangible and you go okay that is real let me move towards that way
1: according to research from Pornhub in recent years worldwide growth in BBW searches has gone up by more than 47 percent so with that April is is there a chubby starlet in your life? Ooh. Was there a chubby starlet before you started in the industry,
3: or
0: any, you
3: know? No, I don't know. I'm 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 searching for the same chubby starlet that you are.
2: Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. But I also think that in 2020, you can be your own fucking chubby starlet. Yeah.
1: I mean, nobody's gonna be your chubby starlet unless you're your own chubby starlet.
2: That's right.
1: <laughs>
0: Is there anything you'd like to promote before we go?
3: Yeah, just um, go to my OnlyFans. Uh, it's OnlyFans slash the April Flores. Go to my Twitter, the April Flores. If my Instagram is still around when you're listening to this, <laughs> the April Flores, Who knows? They might. They're always threatening to remove my account. But yeah, good luck in your quest for chubby starlet. <laughs> Thank
0: We're you. Gonna find I do, her, bitch. One, one quick question. One quick yes. question before you go. Do you happen to know if we could, who we could talk to or anybody of like how we could try to find her? Do we know like any sort of way we could look? Yeah.
3: Can you send me some photos and I will assist you in this search. I will put out my feelers because I, 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 know some people who, who have been around for a while. So yeah, okay. I, I would love to help you. <laughs> okay.
0: We don't have photos. We only have like the description because oh. no photos.
2: Oh! We had photos
0: somewhere. God. So that's the thing. Like we are literally starting from like the basis of like we know the plot, and that's it's grassroots,
2: bitch. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
3: okay. Well, we w- grassroots. It works when we all work together. So yes. send me everything you know, and I will reach out to the the porn historians that I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you so much. Yes, amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god, April, yeah. you are incredible. Thank you so much yes. for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, uh, to investigate with us, and to unpack with us.
3: Thank you for having me. And um, uh, can I come back soon? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Please. <laughs> Please,
2: our family, bitch. Please
0: come hey, back. You're yes. Part of that. You're you're part, part of, of, of the
3: Trump Starlet family.
1: After talking to April, we realized just how similar an erotic performer is to an actor or theater maker. We all produce a product that's meant to be consumed. But at what point does the consumption overtake the creator? We all want to create to make others feel good, right? Which means that Chubby Starlet's story is a lot more personal than we thought. Chubby Starlet's story just may be our story. This has been the Finding Chubby Starlet Podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen. Tell your friends about the show. If you have any idea where Chubby Starlet might be, please email us at chubbypod at gmail.com. For more information and content, please check our Instagram at Finding Chubby Starlet Pod or our Twitter at Find Pod. The Finding Chubby Starlet podcast is an independently produced podcast. We would like to thank April Flores for being such a wonderful guest. Caroline Wellahan for our intro, Seth Ward, and Sam Koska for our graphics. Don't forget to join the search party. And remember, she's out there somewhere. Help us find her.